This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Uh, I guess very briefly, maybe it would be good, given the nature of our topic, you know, that, that we pray together. Is, is it okay? Bef- before we start. Uh, welcome. Come over. Okay. All right. Thank you, our gracious Lord, for this opportunity we have this morning to consider this very important topic. Um, world religions our neighbors, what they believe and their practice and how we can better share with them, communicate the gospel. Uh, We would like to start with the biblical Christian faith, the covenant that you have uh, so graciously given through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us now to articulate this in a clear and simple way, but in a way also that every person present here will be able to internalize the truth that you have revealed and share with other people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Welcome. I think I'm wondering whether... Yeah, you may come up front, really. It's no problem. It's, it's not a problem. Okay, as you feel comfortable. <laughs> okay. Yes, so I was saying, if you look at the, the, the schedule, our first topic uh, this morning will be um, Biblical Christian Covenant. Now, I could have said Biblical Christian Faith or several other topics, but let me maybe let... Welcome. Welcome. And I was just saying, and you, you will see in a second that it is not just, you know, like to talk or make a nice uh, speech to say that what I'm going to share is really, indeed, the most important topic, uh, and you will see why. Uh, The whole Christian faith is based on what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I call it biblical, you know, Christian covenant. Uh, That even sounds too complicated. Um, Okay, let me just be generous, and uh, there are some people coming in, so maybe let me... um, But yes, my objective is very simple, is that at the end of this session, you may be able... Maybe you can do that already, but in case you cannot, that you may be able to clearly articulate or point out what is the Christian faith. What is it that Jesus really brought? I mean, clearly, imagine somebody meets you in the street and asks you, so what is Christianity? What would you answer? Yeah. So uh, very clearly then, before this session ends, and I would like, uh, I would just make a, you know, like maybe half an hour presentation and then engage you uh, to see if what I have said makes sense, you know, you, you will be surprised, and I can tell you, I meet Adventists around the world. Actually, my function leads me to almost every country of the world. And what people ask me m- mostly, 
is the following question. Who are the Seventh-day Adventists? What do you believe? Yeah? Our department is public affairs and religious liberty. So basically, my, my job is to introduce Seventh-day Adventists to world leaders, to other world religions also, I mean, and to other Christians, right? But let's start on a very basic level, meaning uh, I think I can really trust you to ask you a question and you feel free to answer. Um, it's, not, it's not threatening, but just um, it will really help if we start talking a little bit, maybe two, three minutes. If someone meets you in the street and asks you, what is the Christian faith? What would your answer be? Any volunteer to say something? If somebody meets you in the street and say, what is Christianity? What is the difference between Christianity and any other world religion? What would you say? Any idea? Jesus, yes. So, but imagine these people know nothing about Jesus. How would you say it in a way that they would understand what you're saying? You know, we cannot do it in a sentence, but could you just say something? How would you do it? Okay. <laughs> yes. God. God. Okay. Right? So he's basically telling us a story. Something happened in the beginning, it went bad, and God is going to fix it, right? In essence, right? Okay. Uh, welcome. You can come forward. No problem. I feel lonely here, you know, so you could feel free to come forward. Okay. Let me go right to the point and say the following. Christianity, Jesus Christ, let me do this so that you will not, I will not turn my back on you. Jesus Christ came to bring a new covenant. Now, of course, we will have to explain what it means. But essentially, Christianity is a new covenant. But what kind of new covenant? What is the content of this covenant? And of course, when we talk about a new covenant, it supposes that there was an old one. But Christianity is a new covenant of, and now let me say this very clearly, and I will come back to this, a new covenant of free access to God. Okay? Now, think about this, and I will develop, and you will see, most of world religions, and even Christian uh, denominations, they function in another system. And I will show you this. Jesus, though, 
brought a new covenant of free access to God, a new way of relating to God that was unprecedented. Now, for you to feel what I am talking about, think about the old covenant in the first place. What did we have? You have specialized people who had the function to mediate between God and others. Religion was basically uh, predicated or based upon the premise that you cannot have direct access to God. Some other people have to be between God and you. Think about it. Right? So, in other words, Judaism was a religion based entirely on the idea of mediation. You had to have mediators, people who basically regulate your relationship with God. Right? Now, Jesus came and said, no, there is a new covenant. No more mediation. <laughs> you have now, you and I, have the privilege to have direct access to God. This is a revolution. Just think about it. Right? And actually, sometimes, even within our circles, Adventists, if some pastors misunderstand their function, they will think, that they are still in the old covenant of mediation, of mediatory system. Okay? Let me say this and walk you through, slowly but surely I hope, that each one of you will be able, by going out, explain to anyone, oh, so what is the biblical Christian faith? You can say, hey, it is a new covenant of now direct access to God. Before I show you a few slides, just to reinforce, right? The slides I use to reinforce, not, you know, to make a presentation or something like that. Because I want you to understand first the content of what I'm sharing and then, you know, we can reinforce. Okay, think about this. So what I have said so far, very simply, is this. The new covenant that Jesus brought is a new covenant of free access to God. The end of mediations. Maybe before even I go further, just think about an Israel, um, you know, an Israeli, uh, an Israelite in the old covenant. You come to the to a sanctuary. There is a barrier. You cannot just enter like that, and you have all kinds of separations. You cannot enter the sanctuary if you come from the east. There is a door. And then you cannot just go like that. You have to come with a sacrifice. And then there's an altar of sacrifice. The priest will then, you know, uh, per uh, perform some rituals with the blood. You cannot enter just like that because you have several walls of separation. First of all, you have to, uh, the court of female, the court of male, the court of priest, and then you enter a, 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 
a section that is called basically the holy place, right? And there you cannot enter. Somebody else had to enter on your behalf, mediation. The priest only could do that. And by the way, only in the most holy place, only one person could enter to represent everybody else, and that is the high priest. Question, you were saying something. Well, it was in the beginning. In the beginning, there was direct access to God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve could communicate with God directly without intermediary or mediator, right? But because of sin, sin brought separation and uh, uh, erected or built walls since then. And that's the problem. But God provided a covenant with Israel and with the world, by the way, so that the sin problem might be solved. Okay? So you had an old covenant where you have mediations. And then you have now the new covenant where no need for mediations anymore. Now, think about the revolution. First, first, no need of holy place anymore. No need of sanctuary. Remember? There's a, uh, in the Bible, there's a conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And the terms of the conversation, you remember that probably clearly. The, the Samaritan woman told Jesus, Oh, uh, we say that we should uh, worship on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, by the way. And you say, the Jews, that we should worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus answered the woman, I tell you, the hour is coming where the true worshippers know that God is seeking are those who worship him, how? In spirit or in truth. You don't need to go to Jerusalem or to any other holy place. In other words, with the new covenant comes the end of holy places. When you pray, Jesus didn't say, when you pray, uh, go here, go there. No, no, no. Enter your room. Because that can become a holy place now. Enter your room and speak to God freely. And God can hear you. You have, in other words, direct access. No need for a holy place. That is a revolution. <laughs> and not only that, not only that, you don't need any uh, holy place. Why? Because you have now become, in the new covenant, a holy place. That is why the Apostle Paul says very clearly, your bodies are the what? Temples of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, every person here in this place is a mobile temple. Because God's Holy Spirit can now inhabit you. That is extraordinary. People built temples because they were, or sanctuaries because they were expecting the divine being, the divinity, to come and dwell. And they call it the holy place. But Jesus, with the new covenant, Christianity in essence, is that no need for, for holy place anymore. Oh, no need for holy place? So what does it mean? Well, it means that now you are the holy place. 
the habitation of God. And that is extraordinary. No other religion speaks like that. Only the Christian faith. By the way, because uh, uh, in my, my second um, um, seminar is going to be about Islam. You see, he, now I'm laying the foundation of the new covenant and then this will help us to look at Islam, at Hinduism, at Buddhism and see why is it that Christianity is unique and how we can concretely relate to our neighbors who are Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, and secular postmodern, and atheists, and agnostics, and so forth. That is the purpose. Now I'm laying the foundation. Why is it that? Who are we? We say, Seventh-day Adventists, we, we have the three angels' messages, but people don't understand that, I mean, that language, that, those idioms. So we have to be able to translate this very clearly, Right? So that they understand what we're talking about. When, when we talk among ourselves, you know, we say, yeah, 300 message, message and you, you name it, people have no clue. So let's lay the foundation. So first of all, the new covenant, as I mentioned, sorry to be redundant because I really want you to be clear about this first before we can move forward. So the new covenant then, uh, first of all, is that now we have direct access, which means one, no need for holy place. So if there is no need for holy place, number two, that means you are free not to go to any pilgrimage journey. No need for, 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 for pilgrimages, right? <laughs> you know, people go to pilgrimages. Holy places here and there. Hajj for Muslims, and we will see later. But, but you don't need that anymore. Because why? You have direct access. Again, think about it. I have provided, almost casually, uh, a lens that will help us read. When you meet people, you will understand immediately their worldview in light of precisely this lens that I'm sharing here. I'm telling you, I share this with people from all over the world. All over the world. Yeah? And immediately they will see, oh, okay. This is what Christianity proposes now. Okay? So, first, no need for holy place. That's one. Two, no need for holy pilgrimages anymore. I don't have to go to Rome. I don't have to go to any other place, to, Me to Mecca or to the Ganges River or to any place. Why? Because, again, direct access. Number three, no need for holy objects anymore. Hmm. What does it mean? The new covenant does not require animal sacrifices. It's over. Why? Because Christ took care of that once and for all. Think about the millions of sacrifices in our world every day. Talk about the Hajj and Mecca. Muslims make sacrifice. There are many religions that are continuing to make sacrifices. Christianity no more sacrifices. Why? Because no need for holy object to mediate between God and us. Notice, all this is based on, the, you know, like upon the premise, God is way too far away and high, and I'm too low, so I cannot have access. I need 
places to go to meet him. I need people to mediate. Okay? I need objects to mediate. No, no, no. The new covenant say it's over. <laughs> no need. Okay, and, and, and we will see the implications shortly because this is absolutely marvelous. It's absolutely extraordinary when you really think about what is at stake here. So, let me recapitulate because as I told you, before we go out, you should be able to be clear about this. One, new covenant of direct access to God. Meaning, oh, I don't need mediators. No holy places anymore. No pilgrimage. No holy objects anymore. And by the way, mm, this, is, this one is difficult. No holy personnel anymore. Mediators. Ooh, this one is difficult. Right? Think about it. <laughs> because you have direct access, you don't need a pope. You don't need bishops. You don't need priests. You don't need confessors. You don't need pastors, yes, to be between you and God. Because you have now what? Direct access. That's the good news. Right? So, <laughs> I know this, this one is difficult because your neighbors, they are still praying saints. But you don't need this to have access to God. You don't need, by the way, Mary or any other personnel, a holy person. It's over. You see, <laughs> these are the things that the world needs to know. It's called good news of the new covenant. Yes, you wanted to say something. And by the way, feel free to interrupt me, you know, as uh, any time. If something I say is not clear, please. Yes. Sure. Okay. No? Do you mean like mediators on the human level? Of course. Of course. Only God can be the mediator of God in that sense. You know, so the Bible is very clear. But other human beings that are sinners like us, even if they become whoever they become, they cannot be mediators. Only God can lead to God, in other words. That's the fundamental principle. Only God can lead to God. Yes. Yes, because God erected a system in Judaism. That's why I was talking about the sanctuary. You know, you had the sanctuary, a holy place. You have holy objects, sacrifices. You have holy personnel, priests. Right? But in the new covenant, those are obsolete now. It's over. The problem is many Christians continue... Even though they accept Jesus and Lord and Savior and so forth, they continue with the mentality of an old covenant. Oh, I need my pastor, I need my priest, I need, uh, you know, the conference president. No, you don't need anybody to have access to God. Now, it doesn't mean these people cannot pray for you and show solidarity and so forth, but your relationship with God does not depend on any other creature. That's radical. Yes, Exactly. So, do you think that the reason we have the system of mediation in the Old Testament was because the people asked for it, or because God is, you know, because there was there actually yeah. no system, but sure. the people God wanted to speak to them, 
Yeah. Well, both, both. The reason why, before the people ask, oh, not, not, uh, they were mediators before that, right? So it means that even in Eden, they had to make sacrifices, right? And then you have the priest in the family, and etc., etc., etc. So, but then, of course, because of sin exacerbated or, you know, uh, made the situation worse, people develop a wrong idea about God. And because of that wrong idea, they say, oh, okay, so not you. That was terrible because they were created in the image of God. We were created to communicate with God. So the worst thing that can happen for us is not to be able to communicate with God. So in other words, the, the, the salvation is really the reconnection, and we will see what is the difference between that and Hinduism, for example, which I'll talk about this afternoon, probably. You know, so think about this. Okay, are you with me so far? Because I want to make sure that we, are, that we are together on this. So, new covenant, direct access of God. Sorry to be redundant, but then it's clear. Direct access to God, which means now that I don't need mediators. Whether it be places, no holy place anymore needed. No holy objects, sacrifice needed. No holy, by the way, <laughs> personnel, I mentioned it, needed. Another thing, no holy language needed. Why? Pentecost, remember? And that's part of the new covenant. Pentecost, all people heard God's wonders, how? In their own mother tongue. That's beautiful. You see, the problem, sometimes... And I'm, you know, I'm telling you this very humbly. I engage my brothers and sisters Adventists, you know. And so, okay, so what is the good news? Even three angels' message is the everlasting good news, right? But what is the good news? And then all that I hear sometimes is, oh, God is going to, you know, there's a judgment. No. Tell me first about the good news. Judgment, yes, but judgment is part of the good news. Right? So we had to understand, we had to understand the gospel based on the, uh, on the new covenant. Now, here is the thing though. So far, all I have said is Christian faith is about direct access to God. Right? No, uh, because of direct access, no need of mediators. Now, I'm repeating this because you will see Islam, whatever Christianity came to basically uh, abolish whatever Jesus came to abolish, Islam reinstated it. Yeah? Uh, interest, by the way, I have written an article for those of you who like to, you know, after just log in, go to adventistreviewonline.org. Um, I uh, have written an article there um, on um, relating to Muslims Christ way, you know, where I show basically. Uh, the, what Islam is doing, and we'll talk about that in the second presentation, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this right now, but it's basically, okay, Jesus say, no more holy place. Islam say, yes, holy place. Mecca. No more pilgrimage. Yes, pilgrimage. No more sacrifices. Oh, no, 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 sacrifice. No more holy language. Islam say, oh, no, 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 Arabic, holy language. Complete reversal. 
But the new covenant ought to be very clear. I mean, you ought to be clear in your mind about the new covenant. Now, uh, we have, now, and I, when I say we have, please understand this fundamentally. Each one of you is important in the sight of God. Each one of you has infinite value that doesn't depend on your performance, that doesn't depend on your lineage, that doesn't depend on you, know, on you, but on God who loves you unconditionally and fully, regardless of what people think about you. Right? So the new covenant of direct access to God really, wow, that is the most extraordinary thing. Ever. Yes. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with uh, having access to God. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about relationship with God. You know, the pastor is useful. Don't get me wrong here. I'm a pastor, by the way, right? But what I'm saying is the relationship between God and every person on planet Earth doesn't depend on anybody else. That is usurping your prerogative to have direct access to God. Now, of course, when people, you know, get married, there is a ritual, but that is a convention, <laughs> it's, it's a pure convention. God wants it, of course. A pastor to bless on behalf of God, of course. But that's different. But at the end of the day, this new couple, when they go home, they don't need the pastor to have access to God. That's the point of the new covenant. Right? Uh, imagine, <laughs> uh, uh, imagine now uh, these people go home and say, okay, now we need, uh, we need God to bless us, but God will only bless us if we go through the pastor. That's heresy. That's apostasy. You know? that, that is terrible. Right? So basically then you have to understand the new covenant is freedom finally to have access to God. You know, interrupt me. This has to be clear before we can move forward. Yes. Uh, Enoch, well, Enoch was, um, well, that was the continuation of the covenant with, uh, with, uh, with Adam, right? Because you have basically the uh, Eden covenant, but that was broken, right? And then you have, uh, I mean, those that are explicit because they are, you know, God related to Enoch and other people. God gave his law to Adam who, trans, you know, I mean, who uh, transmitted it to, it, uh, to his descendants and so forth and so on. But uh, it, is, it is the same, you know, like uh, um, before they had direct access, now it was mediated. However, God chose some people who were functioning like priests. The heads of the household, for example, etc., etc., etc. Right? Now, okay, yes. Mm -hmm. Once we have a mediation, mm -hmm. just like 
True. But we are not understanding what God intended from the beginning is the direct access, the communication. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why God kind of opened the new covenant and telling to Abraham, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Absolutely. And the new covenant is really by sending mm-hmm. Jesus Christ to the earth. Absolutely. Yeah, well, except that in the Old Testament, God gave very clear laws of mediations. The sanctuary, the sacrificial system, the hereditary laws of the priest, all those things were part of the Old Covenant in that sense. But it was just an accommodation, an economy, until better time. That is why the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, announced, time will come when I will provide a new covenant. And this is what Jesus came to bring. Now, let me start being very concrete. Yes. Yes, that is a very important aspect because of the coming of Jesus. Right? Now, okay. Okay, I, uh, I need to uh, clarify this first. What was the purpose of the sanctuary? Exodus chapter 25, God very clearly said, they will build a sanctuary and I will what? Dwell. So it was purpose to uh, illustrate, manifest, you know, God's presence among his people. However, however, <laughs> because of sin again, People could not just come to God. Remember, even when they would touch, if they were not priests, and they touch the Ark of the Covenant, they would die, for example. Right? So in other words, the system of mediation was there as an education on the part of God. Right? However, this whole system, God, and this is where I think we completely agree, God did not want that as he didn't want sin. So he decided that he was going to take care of the sin problem. That's why Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then, you know, when Jesus, and when he came, he was the manifestation of God. God, that's why, by the way, his name was what? Emmanuel. God with us. So Jesus came among us as God, as actually the sanctuary himself. Jesus is the sanctuary. If you read in, in the Gospel of John, for example, uh, uh, he, <laughs> the word became flesh, right? And what? Dwelt. So the word dwelt, tabernacle, pitched its tent among us. This was to say that God now replaces the sanctuary by his very presence in Jesus. Okay? So because of that, when Jesus died on the cross, one step further, the veil was torn top to bottom just to say now direct access is possible. And what Jesus did then was, oh, wherever he was, there was God's sanctuary in that sense. But now, ah, there's, some, uh, there's something connected to this. Jesus is the sanctuary of God. You because of your connection with Jesus, are also now sanctuaries of God. Mobile temple. Where you are, there is God's sanctuary. Let me tell you this. I know many of us underestimate who we are. But if you are somewhere, 
the evil one cannot touch you or even people around you because of you being the temple of God. Don't underestimate that aspect. Now, the new covenant, and I want to uh, address the, I have to look at the time here. Uh, the, 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 the new covenant has other aspects. Remember, no more holy place, no more holy objects, no more holy personnel, no more holy language, by the way. And I could continue, no more holy culture. Right? Because now God's people expanded to all. Okay? You are Israelites, uh, you know, in, in, in the new covenant because you, you are God's people. Now, this is clear in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are now a holy nation, right? Holy nation. There's no earthly holy nation, by the way. God's people are, wherever you are. Okay? So, now, but what are the implications of this? If you are in the new covenant, what kind of a covenant is that? Well, this is a new covenant where if you have direct access to God, if you communicate directly with God, so who are you? Well, you are now God's representatives. Directly. His sanctuaries, his temples, his sacrifices. When people see you, they ought to have access to God through you, by the way. Ambassadors, and you have several terms in the Bible. But before we get to there, there are some uh, implications. What did God bring? Now, Jesus, first of all, this new covenant started teaching us that we now are a new family. This is difficult. Because the world is not like that. The world is division, separation between ethnic and you name it. But God's new covenant brings in a new reality. This is the problem. Christians refuse to live according to the new covenant. Here are the implications. If you are in the new covenant, that means now you are part of the family of God. Remember, what is the title that Jesus uses most about God? Our what? Father. He revealed God as a father. That means that now a new family. But I'm telling you, you know, this is, this is our challenge. And maybe this new generation is going to start saying, okay, let's leave now according to the new covenant. We are a family. That's not the spirit of the world. Not today, by the way, not ever before. But that's the challenge. Okay. The way Jesus summarizes all this was that he came to preach the kingdom of God. So when you are in the new covenant, then you are citizens of the kingdom of God, primarily. Now you see, sometimes... <laughs> People, it's more easy, and I, I must tell you, it's easier to talk about prophecy. It's easier. I spent almost 30 plus years, 34 years, talking, studying, teaching about prophecy and so on and so on. But when it comes to choosing to enter the new covenant and to live according to the new covenant, to live according to God's kingdom, that is too challenging, so we leave it alone. 
It's easier to, for, for me to come and warn you. You know, Jesus is coming, you know, so for so judgment. But to invite you to be a Christian, to live according to the values of the kingdom that Jesus is coming to seal once and for all, that is more challenging. I'm serious. You know, sometimes I'm invited even in some places when I, when I think about the expectation, I say, these people are really not interested in Jesus' message. Because, think about it. Jesus says, seek ye first what? God's kingdom and what? His righteousness. Oh, but what is that righteousness? You know, I hear a lot of people, oh, we need Christ's righteousness. Really? Do we really understand what it means, Christ's righteousness? That's part of the new covenant, by the way. <laughs> now, you know, it's simple to know what Christ's righteousness is all about because Jesus taught about it. Now, first of all, he said, okay, seek ye first God's kingdom and, and his righteousness. And then he say, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, if your righteousness does not surpass that of the scribes and, the, and of the Pharisees, he says, you shall by no means enter God's kingdom. Hmm. So without Christ's righteousness, he says, we cannot enter God's kingdom, another term for the new covenant. Okay, but wait, but wait. And then he illustrates what it means. And one of the things, you know, I'm not going to take too much time and go through that whole sermon on the mount where we have Jesus teaching. I'm not going to go through all that. But what I would invite you is just few snapshots here and there. One of which, you know, the most <laughs> Christianity is about Defeat of evil. Let me start with that one. Yeah? Because Jesus even taught us how to pray. Huh? He said, deliver us from what? Evil. And by the way, my last presentation I will show, uh, I will talk more about that very specifically and show you those um, from the book of Revelation in, uh, in particular, the seals and then the evils of the world and so forth and how we are delivered from them. But, uh, deliver us from evil, so, so that's one. And then deliver us from sin, right? Sin, deliverance, deliverance from death. That's why he came and died for us, right? So because he's victorious, Christianity, the new covenant, is a covenant of life because Jesus was victorious over death. Now, but here is probably the core pillar of the Christian faith is about the revelation of God. And what is that revelation of God? 1 John 4, 8 says, God is what? Love. And by the way, this is the most difficult concept ever. The most difficult reality ever. And it is at the heart of the new covenant. Remember, Jesus, <laughs> uh, well, no, before I talk about Jesus, because that's really the easier part, let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Apostle Paul talked about the most excellent what? Way. And then he says, now, I am a Seventh-day Adventist, and this really rebukes me to the depth of my being. He says, if I have the gift to speak all the languages, right, of man and of angels, and I do not have love, I am noise. 
If I have knowledge of all the mysteries, and by the way, if I know all the what? Prophecies. And I don't have love, I am nothing. Whoa. Even if I give myself a sacrifice, I don't have love, it profits me nothing. So in other words, okay, prophecy is important, yes. But without the centerpiece of the Christian faith, it's nothing. Now this is a rebuke to me. Remember, I spend probably most, <laughs> most of my time, you know, unpacking prophecies. I'm serious. But this calls me to the new covenant first. No wonder that Jesus says, well, okay, listen. You have heard that you shall love your neighbor, you know? But he said, I don't tell you to love your neighbor. I tell you to love your what? Enemies even. That's a new covenant. It's not natural in me. So, what is the new covenant? Well, this is a new covenant of defeat, of death, of sin, of evil. Yes, it is a new covenant of love. Because at the end of the day, the direct access to God, what is it for? It's for fellowship. It's for worship. It's for friendship with God. It's for love. Relationship with God forever. Now that's, that's the good news we're talking about. You don't understand this? You know, I'm telling you, a lot of people out there preaching, angry about, you know, everybody else, uh, you know, castigating all the other denominations and religions and atheists and agnostic and so forth. But, but they have to show the fruit of the Spirit. And what is the first one? Love. We're talking about the new covenant. Now you understand why Christian faith, this is what it is all about. And even, and I will take time to come back to that in one of my presentations later, the three angels' messages, righteousness of God. What is righteousness? Well, righteousness is to love as God loves. Oh, you think that is just something that I'm making up? Remember what Jesus said? Be ye therefore perfect as your heavenly Father is. When did he say that? He said that just right after saying, love your enemies. Perfection is connected to love. Even love of the enemy. By the way, this is what Jesus in the new covenant came to illustrate. That is why even on the cross, he was so free that he could even pray for his enemies. He said, think about it. What did he say? Father, Father, Again, that name. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you think that this is just an isolated incident. Jesus then demonstrated it. But not only that, not, not only did he demonstrate it, the Apostle Paul himself understood, uh, understood the, 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 his whole uh, Christian experience, actually, in terms of, uh, and I, I would like to go here to Romans chapter, chapter, Romans chapter 12. This is just amazing. How could these people understand Christianity like this? Romans chapter 12. Uh, listen, listen, listen to this. 
Is this natural? No, it is not. It is Christianity. It is the new covenant. You know what it is? He says this. Romans chapter 12. Let love, verse 9, let love be genuine or authentic. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's beautiful, by the way. Hmm? Rejoice, be patient, and so forth. And verse 14, here it is. Bless who? Those who persecute you. Wow. Usually you hear, hate those. Them. They don't like you, hate them. <laughs> here, this is, the, this is the new covenant. So that's why when you see people cursing others, you wonder, have they really entered the new covenant? Because the new covenant, look at this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be howdy, uh, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your, own, in your own eyes. Verse 17. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Huh? This, 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 oh, the, uh, this is beautiful. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will, repay, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed him. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, if he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but... Overcome evil with good. Beautiful. Chris, Christianity, by the way. That's what it is. Do I understand we have until 10.30, right? 10.15. Okay. Few, few more minutes. Let me just show you a few summary. And then I open the, f the floor to some question again. <clears throat> Okay, see, this is just a short summary. Um, <clears throat> My computer, I don't know what's going on today. It was very, had all kinds of problems working, but I guess I'll provide it and then come back to it. Okay, so what did Jesus bring? A new covenant. What kind of new covenant? Direct access to God. What does it mean now? Holy places abolished. Holy objects abolished. Holy personnel as means for mediation irrelevant. Right? Uh, uh, holy culture, holy language, all those things. Now we have direct access to God. Wonderful. What for? Well, for fellowship, for worship, for communion, for friendship. Uh, but what kind of friendship? Well, that is based on the new covenant of love, by the way. Right? This is God's character that is called perfection. It is God's righteousness that he gives. It's not natural in me. That is why by embracing Christ, you know, we allow his Holy Spirit to transform us from within. And he is the one doing the miracle so therefore, he is the one having all the glory. 
Now, of course, in the context of... Uh, okay, here we go. All right. So, you see, let me just... Historic Christianity has developed into various expressions, unfortunately, <laughs> you know. That's why you have so many. But, but the faith Jesus initiated is entirely based on a new covenant. Eh? It, it was revolutionary, that new covenant. Think about it. On the one hand, sacred places, sacred objects are no longer, no longer relevant. Jesus came for a desacralization now don't take the, of religious mediations where the place, places, the space, places, object, ritual performances, religious personnel, or ceremonial festivals, done with. On the other hand, the, fer the faith is characterized by an abolition of barriers that prevented access to God. Hmm? No need for intermediaries, I mentioned that. Sanctuary, no longer. Central idea is the following. The freedom to have direct access to God positions the biblical Christian faith as a unique path. There's nothing like that anywhere in the world. Right? It's really a new covenant, a new way of relating to God, a new way of relating to other people, a new way to treating other people. Uh, maybe I should say this. Imagine if I really believe this. If I really believe this, that now human beings are temples of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Every person I meet, what is your name? John, John right? Johanan, John. Meaning God is grace, by the way. John, if I meet John, I don't know anything about John, but I should know one thing, that John is a holy person. He's a temple of God. He is infinitely valuable. I ought to respect John, even if I don't know anything about John. He is as sacred as any church or temple. You see, if we really believe our faith and we live by it, how different will it be? We will not despise people anymore. We will start looking at people with different lenses on the basis of the new covenant. But I must say, this is our struggle. That's why myself, I pray every day, help me God. Because I forget this. You know? Okay, uh, now, I think about this. So, and I mentioned, so then the key component at the same time of this covenant is relationship of fellowship, intimacy, complicity, and love with God. This access had the prerequisite of liberation. You know? Wow. And uh, this is something that I will uh, develop in the next presentations when I will talk about Islam is one of them, but tr traditional and tribal religion, think about it. They all, they all have their mediators, the saints, the ancestors, the spirits, and you name it. All those religions, your neighbor's religions, based on these mediations. You, God has freed you and say, all you need is me. <laughs> Sufficiency of God. Isn't that amazing? You think about it. But, uh, I meet people on a daily basis. They need to wear crucifixes, 
others wear talismans to protect themselves from spirits and all these things. They are bound to these things. You, you don't need anything. Just the name of Jesus is enough for you. And we're talking about the majority of the world population. Not knowing the good news. You know, so this is why it's important that we tell people, uh, uh, you know, be committed, be a witness, but you have to share the faith intelligently. You have to speak in a way that people understand what you're saying. And by the way, this is the reason why in the next session we'll be talking about Islam, so that we can better understand the mindset and package the gospel in a way that resonates with their needs. And then they will understand what the choices are. And they can intelligently choose. This is really what we are talking about here. So, any question? Uh, you know, you have the program. I don't need to go back to it. Next is Islam. And then uh, the following one is... Uh, but we want to equip ourselves. But before, you, before we equip ourselves, we ought to understand who we are a Christian. We are people of the new covenant. Yeah? And of course, I will take time in one of the presentations to go back to a specific and time perspective, the three angels' messages. What is it? Because there's a lot of confusion about that too. You know, we tell people, oh, the three angels' message, fear God. But what does it mean, fear God? Right? Uh, and I don't need to be intelligent. I just have to go to the Bible. To fear God is an invitation to life, for example. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. The fear of the Lord leads to life, says the book of Proverbs. You see, it, it's, it's, it's a totally different approach. Yes. <laughs> I am sure you must have an idea. Help me. What do you see? Do you have anything like in Adventism that we would consider that, huh, maybe here we are not really very careful? And hey, remember, we are on the path of reformation and it's going to continue until Christ comes, right? So yes, if anything we see in our midst that is not coherent, you know, hey, yes, we should address it. Absolutely. If, if that is the case, no question. There's no such thing, you know, holy building and, uh, you know, we can use, yeah, I agree. Uh, I just was curious if you saw it on a, on a macro level. Yeah. We're, we're missing it here. Yeah. I mean, I can think of specific in India, you have little cultural areas where. Exactly. But I'm not talking about those small details, I'm wondering on a macro level, a big picture. Yeah. We need to rein it back. Let me put it this way Christ ought to be the model in everything. If he's not, then that means we're falling back. That is the... the actually, yesterday, I, I did a... You know, last night, 9 p.m., they asked me to do a, a small, um, you know, a recording about uh, should Adventists be present in the public space? And what does it mean? You know, because my department at the GC is... Uh, public affairs, you know, so we relate with governments, with religious leaders, and so forth and so on. So, so what I say is, here is the principle. Christ should be our model and sufficient in everything. And here too, 
if a department at the GC is not justified on the basis of the Bible, then it, you know, then we should reconsider. For example, and you know, then I mentioned in that case uh, that um, you know Jesus asked every one of his disciples to be witness, right? Witnesses. How did they witness? When I look at the Book of Acts, they started with the religious leaders. Pharisees, you know, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, and so forth, so on, the disciples. At the end of the book of the apostles, I see Paul in Rome witnessing to, to uh, political leaders now, people of influence. So I can fairly say that if we want to finish the mission, we cannot forget re religious leaders, we cannot forget political leaders at the same time, because that's part of the outreach in Judea, Samaria, to the extremities of the world, for example. Yeah. But, but, but that's probably, the, the, to me, the lens we should use, meaning in everything, everything, take Jesus as our sufficiency. And by the way, in because Jesus is our sufficiency, we don't need mediators. <laughs> right? I mean, again, the new covenant is entirely about you are enough for us. That is why I don't go to saints, I don't go to Mary, I don't go to whoever, because Jesus is our sufficiency as Seventh-day Adventists. I think that's beautiful. Now, it is exactly 10.15, and I want to be perfect. You know, this kind, even though the other perfection, that is love, is more important. But to finish on time would be important. Thank you very much. Uh, you are welcome to then, uh, you know, like... Uh, because um, people are coming also for the next one on Islam in particular. I will make it very plain, very clear what Islam is all about, and then we can go from there. So thank you very much. We just take two minutes, not as a pause, because I don't want to lose you, but if uh, you need just a break of one minute or two, take it. So I'm going to just change my uh, pre presentation, and then we can move to the next presentation. Oh, is it at 10.30 it starts? Oh, so we have 15 minutes anyway. Okay. Thank you. Blessings to each one of you. Thank you very much. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.